that works. How did you pull that one off? How did you do that, Ned Bolton? Uh, I will never know. Well, yeah. Welcome Secrets. to a, a live podcast recording. Our so second this, night, yeah. this is our first time doing a live podcast. No, so I just literally said it's our second time. Well, not with Pete. <laughs> Uh, with Pete live. Oh, with Pete? Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry. I didn't let you complete your sentence, which yeah. would be the first time I've done no, that. I know. In the podcast. But it's the first time that <laughs> Ned, Pete, and I have actually sat in front of people looking at us, actually just looking at us, because normally we did it mostly at the Tour de France, never actually looking at each well, other. Well, just to give everyone in the audience an idea of how this feels, I'm usually sat back <laughs> right of the car, and that cannot change. <laughs> Otherwise, I feel slightly exposed. So even on the drive down, I was in the f- in the passenger seat because you were Vulture in the back, yeah. and we did a little clip for the podcast we're going to do after the race, and I just felt so uncomfortable. Yeah, like this is not right. And now to be not only not in the back right of the car, yeah, but to be in a, a in room a, in a microbrewery pub, great, brilliant, love beer, um, in front of. <laughs> 50 people, wow. Now I'm starting to think about what I'm going to say, but I know I don't need to do that. <laughs> you never do. No, well, yeah. We had a brief discussion about whether or not uh, next year's Tour de France, we were thinking about the car. Because it was good to be back in the car, wasn't it? It was lovely to be back it in was. the car. It was just great to be yeah. back in the car. Yeah. You know, it we was. know where we are in the car. But yeah. I suggested, I suggested, Pete, maybe I'll go back right next year and mm. you go back left and you shut me down. Straight away, yeah. Like that. It was no. just never going to happen, was it? Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah, and David was in the back seat today. I know. Yeah, that was that very was strange. It was funny. I felt completely out of control. Yeah, yeah. But well, it's. Um, I mean, I think also what was really interesting about it was because we've travelled quite far, each of us in different ways to get to where we are now. Are you talking what right Tor now? Bay? Right, Tor Bay right now. So we travelled a long way. Are you talking metaphorically, spiritually, or, or uh, existentially? Existentially. Yeah. And also in terms of and miles. also just actually how far we've travelled. Oh, okay, yeah. So yeah, metaphorically and existentially. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the funniest thing when we got here today was, and we came here to to first of all before you all got here, to drop off our uh, to be released merch, which you will get a look at. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, you are right bang on it, audience. <laughs> yeah, this is great. <laughs> this is great. But uh, <laughs> we came down, and, and I was in the back, so you kind of missed the conversation. And you yeah. two were like, We're in Nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, well, Monaco. On the way in, there's a sign that says, Welcome to the English Riviera. Yeah. You know, which you picked up and went, Whoa, I didn't know it was the English Riviera. But we kind of treated it as a bit of a joke. But and then we went on to about Beirut for a bit, because David's got Beirut. a lot of. History, yeah, it's yeah. yeah. my home. Yeah. yeah, one of my homes. Yeah. And then it all went Nice, Nice, your, home, your old home, so my at, old home. Yeah. And then literally we took a wrong turning right. at the back here, yeah. wasn't it? So, so if you there's a there's a hill that comes down and you can turn left to come onto the promenade. Yeah, um, promenade, promenade des Anglais. But if you come down this hill and take a left, sharp where, left, yeah. very sharp. It's and the the wall, the buildings. I, I was like, this is. I don't know if any of you know what Caldez is, but it's the usually the last, well, not usually, but last nine times out of ten, yeah. the last time trial in uh, Pyrenees. Exactly the same, literally, mm. isn't it? Yeah. The way it climbs out, the hairpin, the yep. walls on the side. Yep. I was like, what? And a little bit further back along that way is San Benedetto del Tronto, which is the, <laughs> yeah. the finish line <laughs> yeah. of Tirreno Adriatico. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if, and if and you go 100 kilometers that way, it's... Uh, San Remo. Yeah. yeah. Can, yeah. can is that way. <laughs> the airport's just there. Nice airport. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. A lot of... 
familiarity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and tomorrow we'll be standing in wellies in a in a field in a field. Yeah, but it's. Uh, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about today was, and we talked about this in the car, and we probably did uh, about eight episodes of Never Strays Far in the car today. Yeah, was um, <laughs> highlights of our year. Yeah, and. We never mm. got. Oh, didn't we're get not off going the there already, are we? Well, didn't I get off the ground, did it? I thought I'd have forty mm. minutes of the pod to f- to figure that out. <laughs> we've we got a timeline. <laughs> yeah, 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 true. But yeah, I've I gone blank. Know. I've gone blank as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, and we've had this year such an amazing year of racing. Um, I think it was. Uh, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a mistake, Ned. Undisputed or indisputed? Oh, is this one of those words you've never yeah. said out loud? Yeah. Like De Koenig. Yeah. Like undisputed. Undisputed. De Koenig. It, un- undisputed. Undispu- undisputed. Undisputed. Heavyweight champion. Undisputed. Undisputed. It's undisputed that this year's Tour de France was... Indisputable. Indisputable. Thank you, Ned. There you go. Got there eventually. Yeah. Uh, it, that it was the greatest Tour de France any of us had seen. But that wasn't the whole year. And we're trying to, we were sitting in the car trying to figure out, well, what was our whole year of racing? Mm. And one of my highlights <laughs> of this year was when you two were commentating in UAE. UAE tour? Yeah. Yeah, that was a sporting highlight and a cultural <laughs> highlight <laughs> for both of us, wasn't it, Pete? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, because there was one moment, wasn't there? Yeah, it was, re- well, we, 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 he I, was... We, I can't put my finger on... Well, the funny thing was, Matt, Matt Rendell was in well, town. The funny thing was, but it's not that funny, is that you need to see the video of me, Yeah. which we have. I've got it somewhere, yeah, could, it, yeah. Yeah, we? yeah, we can. Because yeah. this will be, honestly, you will understand it so much more <laughs> if you watch this video. But what happened? It's like my head just fell off. Well, we dragooned, we dragooned. So, I mean, the UAE tour, like for those of you... three corners in 180k. I mean, <laughs> 185k, yeah, straight out and back. It, like, it was absolutely incredible. And we were commentating all of it, weren't we? With a, like a 35-minute neutralised yeah. rollout as well. Oh, every can single I just pause thing. you quickly yeah. as well? Because Ned corralled Pete in there uh, out, of the, the, out of complete goodwill mm. to help him kind of learn... Boot camp, com- commentary boot camp. Commentary boot camp, yeah. Yep. But actually, and then said, I'm out. <laughs> I morally don't agree with this race. <laughs> I was like, thanks, Ned. <laughs> I'm not going back. It's corrupt. It's corrupt. Um, uh, <laughs> but anyway, long yeah. story short, Matt long Rendell. Long story, no, Matt was Rendell was in, was in Dubai and Abu Dhabi. So, for, Ned. For, yeah, so, and we went, Matt, and he wasn't being, we didn't pay him anything, nothing. No, nothing. It was like work experience for Matt. Can you, can you come and do like the, the middle two and a half hours of commentary and I'll just back out for a bit? Oh. So I left you with Matt. And then Matt engaged it. I mean, he's brilliant. He's a lovely, he's brilliant, Matt, as we all right, know. And actually, let me give you a bit of context to this. <laughs> so when me and Matt commentate, or when anyone else commentates, when David and Ned aren't commentating, so they have a specific place in the truck, which is their commentary booth. It's the Holy Grail. If you want to sit in there, you have to ask, sort of ask, is it okay if I sit here? When's David going to be back? However, me, true, Matt, true. anyone else, where we sit, anything goes. So when they skip out for their lunch with 150k to go when absolutely nothing is going on in the race they choose to not only have their lunch directly behind me but also heckle me as I'm commentating <laughs> oh. Oh. Ma- uh, no, no, Ned you've held up signs of paper with what to say to Matt <laughs> <laughs> let's just let, 
let's go there. If, if, if you want to go there, let's go there. This is what it's like. Can you imagine me doing that to Ned with 30 kilometers to go? I'll be like that. Exactly. I'll be batting you away. Hey, I'll you, be batting you're away. so unprofessional, Pete. How about, how about me? 150k to go. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that, it is funny. Look, it is actually funny, but it's quite stressful. But anyway, Matt had. Anyway, Matt, yeah, Matt was in the middle story. of Matt was in the middle of some very very arcane point that he was making about um, possibly the indigenous people of the original desert dwellers, you know, before... <laughs> well, that, no. uh, and, and, uh, I'm just guessing. And it, it, but his sentence ground to a halt. It, like, it's almost like it's silted up with desert sand. And the whole mechanism of his sentence just started to collapse. And then he just slowed, and each word became more and more. And I just looked at you. I, wasn't, I didn't have my head set on, and I just went, what? <laughs> And you completely lost well, it. You have you? to bear in mind, like at this point, oh. as you talk about each word getting longer and longer, he's been talking for like four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I don't know, because there's no way in for you, wasn't well, no, it? No, the like, whole the whole four minutes, I'm thinking, how am I going to pick up off this? Yeah. What you say? Anyway, 80 no, no, kilometers. Bear to in go. mind, like not not. So it's four minutes total. He's talking for. Bear in mind, like the last minute and a half, he's literally slurring his words. <laughs> <laughs> so now I'm thinking, I'm looking at Ned and I'm like, what the heck do I say on this? <laughs> Ned starts like trying to wind me up like he always does and I just couldn't contain myself. But I think it was like stage five at the time or oh, four. Yeah, deep and into it, it the race. Deep like, into the race. I really got the giggles, didn't I? Yeah. I couldn't contain it. But it was one of those, the best giggles are ones where you can't get out of it. And you oh, try and you go, like all right, I'm good, I'm good, I'm, I'm good, I'm fine. And right. then you try and go back up and you press the red light. Yeah, I pressed it. The red light and yeah. you weren't fine. I wasn't. And it was like... That's <laughs> 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 so, the best moment. And then the end of the story is, um, I finally came round and Matt, who we just talked about, who loves to talk for minutes on end, um, usually loves to elaborate on anything I say. Anything I said, he would just look at me and go, yeah. And I'd be like... <laughs> You've said the wrong thing. The you've, you've really, yeah, yeah. you've offended. I really, yeah. I've really messed myself up here because yeah. I'm relying on you to do the talking <laughs> and me to like be, you know, but do a bit of an analysis now and then. But apart from that, was it a good commentary boot camp? It was great. Yeah, loved it. Yeah, yeah it was good, mm -hmm. except yeah. for the time trial. But yeah. yeah, yeah, the time trial. One by Stefan Bissiger. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good to see him in his aero yeah. position. Yeah, uh, six kilometers. How many just times have we talked about that time trial? So many times, haven't we? It's like almost like David with a Garmin time team oh time trial man. from 2009. Oh, stop at the team time trial. Yeah, if anyone wants it, I'm ready to go. Rider, Rider, Hedge. So bored of that. I mean, there was me, Any Rider, Christian yeah. Van der Velde, in the Christian. But no, I did oh, this. I was, I was, no, no, we'll just jump back because, and you always. We've heard it. <laughs> jump up! I'm, I'm fine Are you with joking? it. We can jump back to 2009 if you like oh to, to Montpellier. Oh. Um, but I was in New York recently and saw Christian Vandervelde. Love it. And Christian Vandervelde was on that team time trial squad. Sorry, no, I'm talking he wasn't. about it. No, was he? Yeah. Have you, it, Wiggins. Unless, unless you didn't know about it. Wiggins Hedgehog. also Zabriskie. Zabriskie. Uh Yeah. Oh, and yeah, it was a good team. Um, but <laughs> I was there. <laughs> I was there and I was having a coffee with Christian and we were talking about things and he started telling the same story. Wow. And I started, I, I sent the video to you. Yeah. And I like literally got... The and that was naturally, that was that just Vanderbilt. That was just, just happening, just telling the story. I'm wow. sorry. 
it's a, it's a thing. That's mm. what I mean. But we're, we're digressing, I guess. So that was the UAE yeah, tour. Yeah. Should we talk about? Should we talk about all this, these wonderful? So, so, so quickly yeah. before you. Sorry, I do interrupt. <laughs> no, it's good. So this is what I mean. How has how has David Miller gone from UAE tour to Teen Time Trial? Do you know what I mean? So this is what happens, you know. You can be like, oh, should we stop at a service station? Oh, do you want to hear about my Teen Time Trial? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I would. I do it every day. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, I did that segue. But we were bigging up David earlier on for his ability at segueing in the podcast. He's oh, become like yeah. a master of yeah. it, haven't you? Yeah, recently? I like it. Yeah. yeah. Do you I want to segue into like our various? Well, I was thinking. So sitting behind us, so obviously, our um, our listeners won't are not part of our audience who can see everything behind us. Yes, that's right. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm segueing. <laughs> <laughs> and behind, our, so our listeners know we have an amazing bike. We've got a bicycle, and uh, uh, made by Kotick and size sitting here. Yeah, and size from Bedford, by the way. Size from Bedford. Yeah, <gasps> yeah. yeah. that's where yeah, you're that's from, from, isn't it, Ned? Bedford. Where are you from? Bedford. Yeah, but what <laughs> <laughs> the listeners. We got we drill Bedford. down into the detail. Which. Be- Mm. Rosman Road. Mm. There you go. Yeah. And you're from Brick Hill. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And I'm from, yeah. you know, uh, Clarendon Street yeah. at the end of Stanley Street. So. Yeah. So, so Kotick actually. How, how do you, no, let's yeah. carry on. Oh, no, no, carry on. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Bedford stories. Let's go. <laughs> Sorry, quickly. Just is drink in the. Um, oh, God. <laughs> go on. Carry on, David. Carry on. In the Bear? Yeah. yeah. Oh, on the High Street? Yeah. Mate, did you, ever have a, did you ever have a Southern Comfort depth charge? I did. No, you had to, you had to drink new, you, you had to drink Newcastle Browns in the bear because yeah. they'd, they'd hand the bottle over the top because it was always three deep at the bar. That's <laughs> <laughs> that was a rough pub. It was a, like when I was um, obviously a lot older than you guys, but I was a, it was a goth it was a goths pub. Yeah. Is rock, it still a goth yeah. pub? Kind of rock pub. Yeah, yeah, it was rock. Great yeah. institution. Long hair, all yeah. of that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how are you enjoying this chat, guys? <laughs> 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 Tell us about the bicycle, Sai. Um, the bike is uh, the Kotick Escapade 853. Can you hold the microphone a bit closer to your uh, Limited right? edition that we've got out at the moment. And uh, Connor, f- who is the fourth musketeer of Never Strays Far, um, has done the theme for the race. And he got together with Kelvin, who's our graphics guy at Kotick, and they put together this amazing look. And then our frame builder up in Scotland, Five Land Bikes, did the custom paint. And um, we got a bit of help from some of our suppliers, and yeah, here it is. It's our it's our gravel bike. We've crossed it up with a bit of uh, with some skinny 700c knobbly tires and some Campagnolo, and it's uh, yeah, it's it's pretty sweet. And it's sold. And it's sold. Yeah, <laughs> David messaged me on Instagram saying, uh, "Just give this guy a shout." And uh, yeah, so he's buying it. And not only that, is his mud guards and frame fit pump are currently at five land being color match painted to wow. it so so that's so there is more of this saga to go on because once we've actually got it all all the bits fitted to it he's coming to collect it so we'll get a, a few photos sure um, this allen key bolt here yeah is that water because bottles, it's free um it's three of us and, and the never strays for <laughs> podcast I, I, is I, that specific to the forks I would love to say that it was chapter three or U three or any of that. Trinity, Trinity, Trinity. There's all sorts of three things. Um, No, it's for it's for so-called anything cages, so you can like bolt luggage. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So you can you can grab your Haribos from your from your food bag, whatever that kind of stuff. Brilliant. (laughs) 
Smashing. And and behind you, David. So. Behind you? Yeah, and behind. So this all goes off the, the thanks to the inspiration of doing this event and from Rob reaching out and then Sai coming on board. We spoke to our friend Connor, I said the fourth musketeer in, in chapter three. And also Claire reached out regards Papillon Gin, which is quite incongruous or perhaps very suitable. Um, and this all goes off the back of we wanted to create a look for this event from the race poster to the bike and then a bottle of gin. And perhaps you can explain briefly what the bottle of gin is. Okay, so it is, it never strays far from a traditional juniper led gin. Nice. Uh, but it does have a few slightly more unusual botanicals in it. It has some dates in it, which gives it a nice natural sweetness. And it has some oats and almonds as well. So somebody said today it's a bit like porridge in a bottle. But I don't know if that's really the strap line I should go for. Um, but one of the key things about it is that we're giving five pounds from every bottle to the Mid-Devon Cycling Club's uh, Youth Academy, which brilliant. is brilliant. And Smashing. And if they don't sell out at this live event, will they be available online after? Yeah, kind of, we'll put the links in the thing. All right, brilliant. Put the links and in we've the got thing. merch as well. And we've we? got merch. We've got tote bags. We've got tote bags and T-shirts. Which say, um, what does it say on it? Because they've only uh, just been that, delivered. That says, somebody can read it who's there. Yeah, it says, Ned, David, Pete, never strays far. It's normal, eh? Hey, it's normal, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we went for the low-hanging fruit. The <laughs> <laughs> Always the best. No, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. When we talk about the tote bag, it's serious stuff. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and we do, we do want to do that. We want to, with Never Straight Fires, just create cool stuff around it and work with people kind of that are locally or connected to and just do some... Have we sold any yet? Uh, what? <laughs> tote bags. No, because it literally just arrived today. Oh, no. Well, it got delivered to my house yesterday. And yeah. yeah. But so we for sold everyone any? here, no, because we haven't told anybody yet they're for sale. <laughs> But it, when you, if anyone buys one, it'd be historic because that would be, be like the first. So you can buy ever. these after the, after the event, not during. We can during. We don't care. Um, <laughs> Ten pound tote bags, thirty yep. pound t-shirts. But they're beautiful, and they're beautiful, and that's done by our friend Connor. Yeah. And we wanted to do something that you wouldn't walk around and look like a raging cycling fan, but uh, more just never strays far, kind of a little bit weird. I'm wondering if anybody's got any questions yeah. to ask yeah, us. Yeah, don't be shy. Yeah, there's a question. I'm going to pass it. So don't press any of the buttons and do anything disruptive. And don't hold it too close to your mouth. That's great. We've got a question from a gentleman in a fetching um, tomato soup coloured jersey. <laughs> Sponsored by Andy Warhol. So given that the World Cup is happening in Qatar, and I don't know if any races happen in Qatar. Yeah, World Well, the Tour of Qatar it. used to happen in Qatar, didn't it? So, <laughs> if it were happening now, would you be going there in order to make the world a better place, or would you be staying away in order to make the world a better place? Jeez, that wasn't the best first question. <laughs> <laughs> I can answer. If the um, World Championships were in Qatar, Right now, I'd probably still be here talking about cycling with these two mm. idiots. Mm. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I've been there, and I think it's—I mean, that's FIFA. That's something, and it's—I could go on for hours regarding sports governance and uh, at some levels, Please corruption don't. and different things. <laughs> yeah. But I won't. But I think uh, no, we're not there. We're not—we're not invited uh, to the football World Cup, and we don't do the, the cycling world Ch championships either. So it wouldn't be an option for us. 
we're here in Torbay doing cyclocross. Yeah, I, I wouldn't go. So, yeah, I, I mean, I've, I've been to I've been to the UAE tour too many times, and I don't want to go again. And Qatar's a whole different level of bad, so I wouldn't go. Yeah, uh, yeah good. Uh, behind. The uh, Bedford dweller there. And <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, I'd like to welcome you to, to Tour Bay, the home of cycling. The home uh, of cycling. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Can I just say, I've just been on a 28 day national tour doing my one man show, yeah? And I literally, like, from places like Dar where did I go? Doncaster, Colwyn Bay, um, Newbury, Edinburgh. Every to sound like David's team time trial. Every, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every single place I went to, I said, <laughs> Welcome to the home of cycling. And <laughs> not once did I mean it. <laughs> uh, we, I mean it, don't worry. Uh, got a couple of questions for you. A couple, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. I haven't got all night, mate. I'll <laughs> monopolise it as I've got hold of it now. Uh, Ned came along to our coaching session the other day, found it at Velo Park. Yeah. And in my mind, I built up this mental image of Ned's height and how tall he might be. Yeah, very tall, very high. And I thought, like, he'd be six foot two or something like He's that. laughing so hard. I wouldn't like to say I was disappointed in Ned's height. But, <laughs> but you were disappointed. Or oh, oh, maybe you were just deflated. Yes, yeah, yeah, that's deflated. Uh, how tall is Ned? Well, I can answer that. He's yeah. exactly the same height as me and exactly the same shoes. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Pete, Pete and I, like, there's a, there's a couple of decades of age between us, but, but like, we're the same human, aren't we? Like, in terms of, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am five. How tall are you? I'm, I'm five foot eight. So am I. Oh, what shoe? <laughs> uh, Ned. Hey, Ned. Yeah. What shoe size? Are eight. You? Oh, I'm an eight. Yeah. What size yeah. Bellstaff jackets you wear? Thirty-six. Uh, Thirty-six. Thirty-six. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. imagine. Yeah, that's good. D yeah. Great question. <laughs> <laughs> what's your What's your second one? The second, the second question. Because that's a high. Better, you set yourself a really high. I, I, yeah, I won't be any more cruel. What's that? Uh, yeah, I won't okay. be cruel to you. Don't worry. Uh, don't so. Worry. Uh, Mid-Devon Cycling Club's our, our local club and uh, Jeremy Hunt's a past member and he, he rode with us during the summer. Uh, he'd been over, he'd come back from Australia and brought his family back for about three or four months and we did a lot of training with him. Uh, a fair bit of banter. I know you guys must have raced with Jez at some stage. Uh, I wonder yeah. if you could tell us a story about Jez that we can uh, <laughs> bait him with I've got when one. we see him again. I've got one that probably got, needs to be caught out of the well. pod. Yeah, no. <laughs> We've all got one. Yeah, yeah. Go on. you can go for it. This needs to be well, caught out of the pod, though. Well, this is the famous day on the Tour of Britain in 2012. Wiggins has won the Tour de France, and he's been told to go and race the Tour of Britain. doesn't want to. And um, Cavendish is also on the team. Cavendish, after a bunch of... Uh, 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 time bonuses is in the leader's jersey because he's won a couple of stages. And he gets to about stage five and we're in the Peak District. And the entire race was staying in the same hotel. This massive hotel on the outskirts of Crewe. And it had this bar that was um, built on a revolving turntable. Yeah? And everyone got super excited by being in the same hotel and being in the same... So there was... like Everyone involved in the race ended up pretty much, without exception, staying late. Right? No two riders stayed later than Jez Hunt and Bernie Eisel. They, I think, went straight from the bar to breakfast. <laughs> and the stage started super early the next day. Wiggins had actually left um, very early on in the evening and sort of wasn't involved. But the next day, um, Jez and Bernie, trying to style it out, went kind of going, I'm fine, I'm absolutely fine. And Wiggins decided to make a point to his teammates. So he got on the front with his Tour de France legs 
and uh, basically drilled it as they went up this climb. I think it was Gun Hill or somewhere like that, someone crazy. And he just went and he absolutely shredded the peloton, dropped Jez and Bernie really early on and destroyed the entire race, got to the top. And the race was absolutely in bits. And only then did he realise that he'd also dropped the leader of the Tour of Britain, his teammate, Mark Cavendish, <laughs> who was in the yellow jersey. At which point Brad turned around on the road and rode backwards down the race, which is something you simply can't do and never do, uh, to go and find Cav and pace him back. And that was, Jez was heavily involved in that. Yeah, I think that was pretty much my story. Uh, um, was the same, same incident? Mm. Were you no, in the I mean, then? I did the 2000, I shared a room with Jez on the 2012 Giro uh, until he went home. I can't remember why. <laughs> um, but yeah, you get in the room. And the first thing you do is go to the mini fridge, crack open a beer. This is like whatever time the stage <laughs> finished. Or like three, four, maybe five o'clock, I don't know. And I just look at him and was like, do you have beer every day, Jess? And he goes, looked at me like really so he goes, wait till you get to my age. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my Jess Hunt story is um, I first saw him in 1992, 1993 at High Wycombe CC. It was the first road race I won in the UK, and it was a junior Peter Buck Buckley series. And he turned up and had a pink jersey, and I remember that. And he won the, the, the amateur version. I almost said adult version. Um, and I won the junior version. Then I didn't never crossed paths. I ended up in 1995 in a, a French amateur club called VC Saint-Quentin, which was in the north in Picardy of France. And it was Jez's success the previous year as an amateur in that club that kind of almost gave me entry. So like we need a, a young British rider because they're obviously really good. And it's some Paul Sherwin somehow weaseled me into it. And I got there and Jez Hunt was a bit of a legend. He'd gone to Bonesto. This is now 1995. Uh, 1996, so 1996, and so Jez, I was like, oh, he's a pretty cosmopolitan dude. It's like, this guy's amazing. I saw him in that pink jersey in 1992. He ripped the back out of French amateur racing in 95. I'm now here. They worship him. So he walks into the house, and I'm like, well, Jez knows everything about it. He's Benesto Pro. Now, I can't remember if it was my car or his car, but we could only get it to start on a downhill because we had to jumpstart <laughs> it every time. And I was like... And I was like, oh, hey, Jeremy, um, I need to open a bank account. This is like in March 1996. And he was like, oh, Dave, yeah, I'll, I'll work it out. Um, and he knew the bank. And so we drove in there and we had to park the car on a downhill in San Quentin. And we went in there and I can still actually vividly remember the two of us sitting at a table like this with the, the, the bank clerk trying to open my account. And I thought Jez spoke French. I was still just learning French. And uh, so I didn't really know, so I was kind of relying on Jez, and he was kind of looking at me, pretending like he knew everything. And, uh, and I was like, what's the name for, for Cash, Jez? And he was like, uh, Cassis. <laughs> <laughs> and so I tried, which is black currants. <laughs> I tried to open my first bank out in France with black currants, thanks to Jez Hunt. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's my first Jez Hunt story. Yeah. Brilliant, yeah. brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. think you did all right with that question yeah. there. You got a yeah. proper, proper bunch of answers. Can, would you mind passing the, the thing, the, the conch on? Anyone yeah. else yeah. got to chip in with a question? No? Oh, somebody's got to have a question. Come on. Here we yeah. go. Yeah. Cleverly. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. Mr. Cleverly of Wiltshire. All right. Right, there's three of you here that, as far as I'm concerned, 
have no interest in cyclocross whatsoever. Ah, that that question. And and know nothing about it mm. and have no love for it. So, like, please tell me how you're expecting uh, the race to pan out tomorrow. Love, I I would say, no knowledge, no experience. Love, yes, because um, I've become a bit of a fanboy of Pidders. And and Pidders has kind of introduced me to sport, but also Wout van Aert and Mathieu van der Poel. And yeah. for most of my generation of pro racers, and I'm 45, so that means I'm 90s, uh, kind of old school road racing, where cyclocross racers never succeeded on the road. It was kind of, they'd always try, they'd, they'd destroy the winter, then they'd c- come and try and do the February, March april classics and fall flat on their face and actually Wout van Aert, if we go back to it in strada bianchi what five years ago ned you'd know this where there was that classic scene in strada bianchi where he fell off his bike coming into siena yeah. and tried to get back on and fell off again and that was very much how people looked at cyclocross races you come you try you fail <laughs> and but now what's happened is they've flipped the whole thing so I think I've got, uh, f- me personally, I've got a huge appreciation for this new generation and how the sport's changed. And I'm genuinely fascinated about what cyclocross is creating because the, the best racers that exist at the moment have a cyclocross kind of DNA. Mm. And I can't, I've never been to a cyclocross race and I don't know it. So I, I, I so it's I, I, yeah, you know, I'll come at it from a slightly I different perspective. I, I, uh. I kind of, I think we talked about this mm. in the pod before. I think it doesn't televise particularly well. I think it's a, I think, you know, occasionally you get a very close race and it's brilliant, but more often than not, I think it's a bit of a slog to watch on the telly. But I've always understood, on the telly, on the telly, I've always understood and never disputed the fact mm. that as a live event, actually mm. to gut, well, one to race, I would imagine is a lot of fun. Two, well, horrible fun. But two, to actually get there and actually see what it's all about in the mud and get, you know, get, get, have a lot of fun, I think mm. that's always been, for me, the attraction. So that's what I want to experience tomorrow. That's why I'm here. That's why we're doing this thing. From my, from my perspective, um, you know, I just don't think, I don't, think, I don't think it looks beautiful on the telly for some reason. I, you know, that's I agree. I think your question's great, but I think it's quite, le- quite assumptuous, to be honest. Assumptuous? In terms of, like, yeah. <laughs> Well, if Take you, that, if, if we can listen back to the podcast, which we can't right now, but we can later. Um, that's how, how live experience works. It's, it's something that Especially when podcast we yeah. don't, yeah. we don't, we're not into cyclos, we don't like it. Yeah. Why are we here? Well, all right. I'm going to get down to the nitty gritty. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm, what, are you we're here. You're out in the car park or yeah. what? Yeah. No, basically. Yeah, no, I'm saying, I'm going to answer your question. I'm saying, <laughs> your que- it was a loaded question. It was, it was a very. <laughs> I was trying to get a reaction. <laughs> right, You've done well as well. Well, no. Because it was awkward. No, no one else was asking the question. So no, it's fair enough. Yeah. But great question. But yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. So I'm here because, one, first and foremost, we started this podcast and we love doing it and we love going to. And we talked about it so much on the car, didn't we? Mm-hmm. What this cyclocross race is. We love the grassroots. We love just... And we're just experimenting with what we can do around the podcast. And I think that's brilliant. We... Yeah. En- we first, like, my dad dropped me off at the airport. And it's the first time I've been able to say to him, I'm really looking forward to going away to... Well, it's technically not work because we're not getting paid. But... <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, to do a job. Because I've, I've spent 15 years getting dropped off at the airport 
to yeah. buy my dad feeling anxious mm. about going on team camps, mm. going to talk on ITV at the Tour de France. Mm. And I stepped out of that car and I was in a good mood and I was genuinely looking forward to yeah. coming to do this, which I yeah. think whether it's about cyclocross, mm. road racing, mountain biking, whatever it may be, for me, that's enough mm. to warrant me enjoying yeah. being here mm. and just embrace and what we're doing. Uh, we're we're ma massively excited by tomorrow, actually. Oh, it's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. You're DJing, Pete. Yeah, apparently. Yes. Martin, where are you? <laughs> Martin, Sano, I'll be there yeah. all day. Yeah. Martin, DJ Martin. Eight hour set. Yeah. 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 Oh, by the way, DJ Martin, he, you know, he finished 18th. 18th. 18th in today's, which, which category? Is that right? Is that right? Uh, yeah, about 50. It was the first race of the day. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Oh, how much managed, to man Martin? managed a lap of practice before getting to the start line yeah. after all the other stuff we had to do first. So you've been like, yeah, literally, you were there till two o'clock in the morning. No sleep. Then, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then racing 18th place. Bit crazy. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about it because we drove down here together. You had a chance of 17th, didn't you? But you just... Well, <laughs> you uh, let it go. You, you gave up. That extra 50 metres of running or whatever, <laughs> you know, just a bit too much. That's what I loved about cyclocross. Is, uh, uh, By the way, the guy who wrote Ian the question, Cleverly, Ian Cleverley, yeah. he's a, a cyclocross yeah. champion. Would that be overstating it a little bit? Second in the London League, uh, Veterans 19, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. A champion, a champion, champion in other words, yeah. a champion, yes. Yeah. Win's a win, man. Win's a win. Except he didn't win, he's yeah. finished second. <laughs> Second's a second. Second's a second. But no, it, no, I back it up, and I think that's, that's the whole point of this, is that idea that it's a, a discipline that, uh, I don't know, it's just, this is kind of, we spend most of our life following races. They're, they're going to Middle Eastern countries, commentating together, just taking the money. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I drop in for the Tour de France Paris-Nice criterion. No, but we Mate, do. Wait, <laughs> uh, am I breaking confidence? The, the, the scrabble of you trying to get yourself on I next know. year's UAE Tour. I was tour. so up for it. You were like, <laughs> I was like, oh, like, why well, can't believe they haven't picked me? Oh, uh, gutted. <laughs> yeah, I'm still anyway. gutted. Yeah. No, but I'm joking. And it's, uh, this is the kind of the point of what we want to do is never stray as far as well, make yep. it more of a cycling, um, a safe place. So we kind of got all the, we can do all the cool stuff. You know, the cool stuff, which is the ITV Tour de France stuff, which everyone watches, the majority. But then there's all the stuff we also love that got us into it. And I'm not allowed to say, and he's going to be listening. My son's here. The first time my son has ever come to a, a cycling event with me is this one. Oh. And because I was like, this is, you're going to see what I remember going to a bike race was, rather than coming to a Tour de France or these things, because this is where it starts. And that's going back to the cyclocross question is because I think it's really interesting. If it starts here, this is where it's a good place to start. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. D DJ Martin's still got that. So if there's any, if there's a, yeah, Sai's got another question here from Bedford. Hopefully, Bed Bedford related. Um, I'm... I think I don't know what, whether it got glossed over on the pod or not, but how, you were warming up to do the Tour of Taiwan. Yeah, what, what happened? happened? Yeah, Pete. <laughs> I, was quite, I was quite excited for you. <laughs> he could have won it as well if he. He could have won it in four weeks. How long have you got? A <laughs> uh, couple of hours. Where was I coming? Where was I coming home from? I was coming home from. You had your mum's sixtieth birthday, which was the real spanner in the works. No, no. Man City. <laughs> it was before that. That was yeah. that was before it. Predates, was, oh no, predates the pirate ship, doesn't it? Yeah, predates that. <laughs> I, no, I know now. I've remembered. I was coming home from tour of Britain, 
and they didn't have enough riders or Luke Lamperty arrived for the team saying he just looked at me and goes why don't you do a pit and I was like mate there's no way I can race in like four weeks time he was like yeah you can and I was like honestly I can't and he was like he's like the stage is short by why I was like maybe I can <laughs> <laughs> and then and then you were so it started to like manifest yeah. in my mind and I messaged Andrew McQuaid the owner of the team and he was like yeah if you want to do it do it it's up to you and then I sent a voice note to you. You sent like a really long voice note back. <laughs> and then um, <laughs> I, 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 I trained for like five days, six days maybe, with like Cav, it. Mark Christian. And I don't know what, what happened, but <laughs> I, it didn't happen. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think I came to the conclusion that it was just, there wasn't enough time. Mm. Like there just was not enough time. And also... I was not ready to spend my so-called off-season um, going to... So <laughs> had this battle in my mind so many times where when I was a rider and imagine someone saying to you, um, oh, we'll pay you whatever to go and do the t- tour of Taiwan in mm. October. And it was pretty much October. And I was literally like basically going to go into the to- tour of Taiwan because I wanted to. <laughs> and I couldn't like, get over the fact that like, why, why do I want to do the tour to Taiwan now when... Back like, in the day, I couldn't. I couldn't understand. Like, I couldn't compute it in my brain. <laughs> so, so then I got come round to the fact that this is just a ridiculous idea, you know. Um, it was a good idea. That was though. It was just it was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Um, but but so it's, another one, it's another one of the Kenyuk false dawns. Like so, there've been like the whole predating your participation that didn't happen in the tour of Taiwan was your genuine commitment to sign for B and B hotels. As their fixer, well, and then also at the tour of Portugal this year. Tour of Portugal this year. Yeah. Um, so oh, I had a message when I was on my way to. Oh God, let me think. What was my? Oh, the Netflix documentary with Cav. I was um literally in the airport at like nine a.m. ready to get on my flight. Um, um, the director sportif or the manager of the biggest team in Portugal it's called like Glass Drive Q8. That he messaged me saying, um, "Do you still have ambitions to race next year?" And I was like. But yeah, this is intense at 9am in the morning. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, um, in a, you know, in a, in a, in a way said, saying, I said back to him, like, yeah, what are you saying? Mm. And then he goes back to me, um, um, would you like to compete for the experience? And I was like, what experience? I, uh, no, he's, por- he's Portuguese. <laughs> oh, so I was like, okay. it's definitely like some like language to learn thing. Portuguese. Yeah, it was like, and I said, what does experience mean? And he said, oh, we can't offer you. I literally said, what do you mean by experience? Question mark back. And he said, we can't offer you much money in the first year, but 2024, we have a good blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. And then uh, then I got on the flight and I was like, (laughs) 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 like, shall I do this? (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, and part of the reason why I thought I'd want to do it is because to almost like close the book on retiring the the way I did, Mm. which I couldn't control. And then to... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's just that's just it. There's no two. That was mm. that was literally it. Um, so I, you know, I spoke to Laura, my wife, and then and I thought about it all flight, and and I think having that option there because I literally he would have signed me there, and I could have started training him, could have started training him, would have been racing there next year, but having that option has actually helped me close the door on it. Right. Because mm. now I've been able to say actually that's not what I want. Think through it and go mm. actually no. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, the problem is as well. Peaks that started off yeah. with Taiwan. 
Yeah. <laughs> the problem is... Ended up in Portugal. Yeah. <laughs> no, but the problem is because you're still young enough mm. to still yeah. recover the form mm. because yeah. of the inherent genetics and experience. So you're always on that fence for a long time. Fortunately, when you get to my age, 45, mm -hmm. there's no... The window's closed. The window's closed completely. Yeah. So oh, I no, think... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good yeah. No, but it's that kind of idea. When, you're, when you retired as young as Pete did, very young, retired from racing, because he's still... The amount he works is nuts so that people don't see the, the yeah, different true, stuff he true, does. True. Um, but you are... You have this kind of millstone around your neck that you still could turn it around mm. because it's in there. And the, which is... It's not an easy thing to deal with as a as a young, especially cycling, which is an, essentially an ultra-endurance ultra sport uh, and non-impact, which means you can do it to quite a kind of later age, uh, relatively to most professional sports. So Pete, and this I'm st actually almost talking to Pete here, is you're stuck in that limbo of you could flick the switch whenever you want still. It's like another two or three, two, another year, two more years where Pete could flick the switch and have another year or two years being excellent, and then it will fall off, obviously, because of age. So hang on a bit longer, <laughs> and then yeah. age will take mm. over, and you'll have no options, so it's great. And I will be at peace. <laughs> yeah, and you'll be at peace. Continue that tortured dialogue in your head for another couple of years. Yeah. That's David's advice. Basically, yeah. <laughs> but, I love, but with you, it was brilliant, because yeah. you retired in uh, you know, circumstances that weren't ideal, yeah. but in you yeah. know, roughly the right time mm. frame for you. Yeah. And you didn't, you weren't tortured by this notion of coming back at all you did absolutely no physical exercise no. for about two three years did you, you didn't do yeah you know, i dropped off a cliff and i think it because of my doping ban and then kind of having hated it and and being jettisoned from it when i was uh 27 yeah uh, it was kind of and then having a year out then coming back i i valued massively that Th second chance those years yeah. and those I, years and i just went so deep in that yep. second part of my career. Especially in that team time trial in yeah. 2009. <laughs> if you had seen me... You emptied it. <laughs> Talking about UAE, remember when we were on the drive on the first stage with all the big um, SUVs oh, yeah. going in convoy? And I, said, I didn't Homeland. I say to you, I said, oh, ho well, home on. But I said, this feels like... Oh I felt like I was going to back to the start of a race, didn't I? Yeah, I was like, this feels really yeah. weird. Now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, because you're in with all the teams. Oh yeah, you got a, you had a crisis. And UAE didn't you? was my last race as a professional. <laughs> oh my, that's wow. right. You oh, had it was a real awful. Oh, oh no, I don't yeah. know what I'm doing now. Yeah, Doctor yeah. Ned. Yeah, yeah. That, that, um, I wasn't yeah, up it to. was like Homeland, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I already said Doctor now. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, let's yeah. see. It's got a bit deep, hasn't it? Can anyone do anything to lift the lift the spirits a little bit? Yeah. So we're, uh, we're surrounded by your design and your ideas of what cool is. And you, you guys... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wearing it. Yeah, uh, thank you. But, but wearing you, chapter three, that's you fine. You guys have got your own labels and yeah. things now. But tell us about your fashion disasters. Oh, Shall I start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David just designed. So I've been given this bell staff jacket, right, by his sister, which is absolutely beautiful. It's the most expensive garment I've ever worn, right? It's absolutely beautiful. It's a lovely jacket. It's a lovely jacket. It's going to keep. If it rains tomorrow, it's going to keep me dry as, as well as looking beautiful. And I put it on in our Airbnb that we're staying in, and literally, I think I'm quoting you verbatim. David turned to Pete and said, "Look, he looks almost one level up from derelict." <laughs> That's exactly what I said. Literally yeah. derelict. 
that's, so in terms of fashion faux pas, I don't give you get off the start grid. I'm just not in the same. So over to you. Yeah. Um, I actually think you'll always look, if you're talking about fashion, you'll always look back on yourself at a certain point of your life and find it embarrassing until it comes back round again, like the 90s are now. So that's mm. the, it's, it's yeah. going to be like that your whole life. But yeah. in terms of fashion, I remember being in Manchester Velodrome when I was probably 10. So it's probably 99, 2000. And I think it was maybe the first revolution. Mm. And David walked in and he looked like a vampire. He had <laughs> the longest black jacket. I've ever, there wasn't a jacket. It was like a coat down to his ankles. And the hood came up round his ears. <laughs> Like Count Dracula, and my dad was like, "There's David." I was like, "Oh God, there's David Miller," and and I was like, "Oh, his jacket's a bit mad, isn't it?" <laughs> but uh, but uh, yeah, I can imagine that. I, I can like I can a bit remember that. But th I've had a very humbling experience today as well. Um, regards, it, it goes back to Bell Staff and my sister, and I was choosing some clothes, getting some options because we do know people who can help us. And my sister has helped us out with bell staff jackets for tomorrow because the weather's going to be bad. And let's just kind of try and look like we look cool. We've got our stuff. We chose our things. Ned chose his jacket. Beautiful, perfect for Ned and genuinely does look amazing. Pete is always on point. Yeah. Pete is on point. Yeah. He is like on point even when we wise. Even when we did that thing, yeah. we did the golf attack and we yeah. did we played yeah. a round of golf yeah. and filmed ourselves yeah. playing golf. And Pete bought all our outfits yeah. from the local charity shops yeah. in Maidstone. Mm. Yeah, and yeah. equipped us as golfists, yeah. and it, we all looked, um, we all looked yeah. amazing. Yeah. 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 yeah, And so I and also I won. <laughs> yeah, and he, I, I gave up. I gave up <laughs> after you nine. Fell apart in that no. bunker. I, I, <laughs> that was I, I won. No, no, you no. didn't win. You didn't win. Last hole. It's the but it's the shortest, the lowest number of you shots. You're terrible. There's a video. There's a video on YouTube. <laughs> golf attack. I took twenty. <laughs> I took basically. I was. Pretty much winning, but I, obviously Mate, I reckon were, I took twenty shots so on a by that, four by or that, five. By that definition, Roglic won the twenty twenty Tour de France, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. that is yeah. I was Pogacar. Perfect analogy. That I was Pogacar. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, you. the yeah. final hole. Yeah, just, yeah. Uh, yeah. took in. over. Yeah. yeah. So I'll just, just complete my story here. So I. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It's not about you, David. Do you want to talk about Montpellier? But. <laughs> there is there's a jacket and so I chose my and jacket and it's uh, as Ned described it because it got sent to his house uh, in London to bring here because we're all meeting and driving here the biggest jacket in the world and it's like a, it's bright orange <laughs> and he said it looks like a life raft and <laughs> and I, it does and I, I mean I loved it and I went on it's like the first thing I picked on Bellstaff and then my sister said to me and this is like uh, probably shouldn't say this on the podcast. She said, uh, <laughs> she kind of laughed and said, "Well, actually, the demographic of that jacket is cool, Dad." <laughs> and I was like, "That's what I've got to." I used to think I was being edgy and being the, the vampire walking into places. No, cool, Dad. And now I'm just at cool, Dad level, ne needy, dad. trying to find yeah. things. Affirmation, that, affirmation, fashion. <laughs> yeah, I'm not on point anymore. But I'm also quite practical because if we dropped you in the English Channel, I'd be um, found. You'd be I'd winched, be found. You'd be I'd also out. float. Yeah, you'd float. <laughs> you'd float and be located very quickly. Yeah, yeah. It's probably got hidden like lights and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good question. Very good question. Yeah. Should I have two more questions yeah. and then. Oh, no, I had another fashion thing oh. about you. Oh, go Beedale. 
Uh, I, I think it was the last time we did the tour to Yorkshire before Sir Gary yeah. Verity yeah. filed his expenses claim yeah. and the whole thing crumbled <laughs> went west. Yeah. But um, the you you derived from Spain, so the tour to Yorkshire was used to happen mid-April, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Spain was obviously warming up. Mm-hmm. Yorkshire wasn't. So you'd yeah. arrived inappropriately dressed from your yeah. house in Spain. Oh, yeah. To come, and our first stage finished in Beedale, and we got there <laughs> a, bit, a few hours before, and you yeah. like, only had a T-shirt. I, don't, I haven't thought about it. And it was absolutely there. freezing. I think it was sleeting. Yeah. Well, I, I rode that stage. Yeah. I rode on the front for like the whole, the whole stage. It was Tell us about it, Absolutely. Into a head. <laughs> so basically, if anyone understands, I rode about 150k on the front. Oh, is this where your teammates fell off? No, they they this the first thing, but there was a he- no that was later on but it, it was into a headwind so like anyone in the peloton has no idea why it's going so slow because they're <laughs> in the wheels oh, yeah, it was that day and right. I was like go on then yeah. try and ride on the front <laughs> yeah. for like 10k yeah. see how it feels You did because it's so easy mm. in the peloton when, when it's a headwind like yeah. I'm talking 30k an hour headwind yeah. and I was just on my own for like literally 100k just that's, a, that's just an awesome story Pete do you know what I mean yeah <laughs> well no I feel it I feel it <laughs> yeah <laughs> Talk about me now, Ned. Anyway, <laughs> but you, so you needed an extra layer of clothing, and I was uh, in the yeah. hour before we actually yeah. started commentating. I was doing my notes, and you went, I, "I need to go and get a jacket." Yeah, I was freezing. And the only, the only clothier on the high street was the Red Cross shop. <laughs> yeah. And you came back having spent two quid or three quid. Yeah, maybe maximum. Maximum, maximum three. Yeah. On a like a 1980s Eddie Bauer Canadian. It was the most. It would be incredibly cool now. Have you still got it? Yeah. It's like this 1980s blue song. Yeah, it's like a 1980s Like in kind scheme. of like pastel yeah. 1980s shades yeah. that would yeah. have looked not out of place on the cover of a Paul Young album. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. And you walk back in and you were so pleased with it. I well. loved it. Yeah, and it, yeah. And it smelled slightly oh, of kind of like... stale. Stale. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, you've changed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. yes. There's a hand that's gone up there. So if we can pass the conch over to the gentleman in the um, mint uh, pistachio no, uh, jersey. Thank you kindly. I'm not from Bedford. Oh. Um, in the 40- so are there any other questions? <laughs> <laughs> in the 49 weeks between the Tour de France finishing and the Tour de France starting the following year, wh- where do you hide Gary Imlach? I knew that. No. Did I tell you? Yeah. There's a, that, so I've just, I, I, I don't think I've mentioned it, but I did a 28-day national tour. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of which, what, what what was it about? Oh, cycling. Oh, right. At the end, at the end of at the end of that, I do a question and answer session, and people write down questions, and I answer all the questions. That question literally gets answer, asked more than any other question. So much so that I've built into the show now a, a big button that I press, which fires an alarm when that question gets asked, and Gary Imlach's face pops up on the big screen like that, and it goes Imlach, Gary, Imlach, Gary, like that. The, the only answer I've got to that is um, when I did an iteration of my show about five or six years ago, um, I think it was in 2016, actually, the first time I did a national tour, I did a show in Liverpool. And Boardman was in the audience that night in the Everyman Theatre in Liverpool. And uh, it was like from the stage, you can't see anybody's faces, unlike here. It's just darkness. And I read out that question. Someone said, what does Gary Imlet do for the other 11 months of the year? Like that. And I just heard this one voice come out of the audience and it was Boardman and he just went he does the hoovering (laughs) (laughs) yeah he's Welsh yeah that's right (laughs) Um, no I mean Gary Gary uh, Gary's an expert photographer 
a brilliant writer, as many as you know. I think he's written one book, but it was perfect. Um, <laughs> but he, you know, he refuses to write another book because he can't find that perfect book. I mean, he's just, he is a perfectionist beyond belief, and that reflects itself in the quality of all his work on television. You know, he despises falsehood or mistakes like people who are allergic to peanuts. You know, he kind of, he would... Which uh, he uh, is as well. He, which he is, absolutely. He's <laughs> allergic to... Shave. He's allergic to all sorts of Give things. Migraines. Yeah. One year, he was doing one of those exclusion diets, trying to figure out what it was that gave him allergic reactions. And for the entire Tour de France, he could only eat the two food substances that have never been traceable to any kind of allergic reaction, which are lamb and pears. <laughs> so he literally, every day, he ate pears, and occasionally he'd mix it up and go, I'll have a pear starter with a lamb main course, and then a, maybe a lamb starter with a, pain, a pear mm. dessert. Yeah. So... That's Gary Imlach for you. There you go. Legend. Yeah. Any other question? Yeah. yeah. Claire's, Claire's got a question there. Papillon Gin's Claire has got a question. And then should we, should we take one more after this? One more after this. One more yeah. after this. So Pete's DJing tomorrow. Yeah. What would be each of your top tunes that you want to hear tomorrow? Good question. Good question. Pesh Mode just great can't great get way. enough. Well, that's low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Though. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, one of the things that's going to be really interesting, uh, I've n never heard or seen Pete DJ, and because... Because you live in Girona. Yeah, <laughs> number one. No, but he's very, he's very private about it. Yeah, he is. He's very private about it. We didn't really know. I don't think we knew until... Do you remember that Tour de France yeah. when we were in Kent? Mm. And we only kind of Pete does yeah. this whole thing, and it's yeah. like you know you're it's actually produce really stuff as well, really produces stuff as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So make stuff. So, so is it um, like his alter ego that you you don't know well, about? I have that loads of alter egos. Yeah, he's got many, <laughs> many Pete's. There are many Pete's. Um, many Pete's. Yeah. Even right now. Yeah. So actually, just, just generally, going on in his uh, head. For, for me personally, <laughs> I'm just looking forward to just watching him have fun and play music and see what it is because it could be anything. Yeah, but I'm not doing like that whole like crappy little bar take requests like I'm literally going to play music I like and if you don't like it then <laughs> oh great that sounds fun unless you're unless you're employed to play music that people ask for then you should just play the music that you like otherwise it makes no sense yeah, you might as well yeah, not yeah. be there yeah. Yeah. so so yes that's what we're looking forward to yeah it's just Pete yeah. cutting sick. But anyway, it, uh, it's actually, let's just ask the audience. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. so yeah. I won't play it, but I'm interested to know. <laughs> yeah. But I might do. You never know. Any shouts for any Sylvester, tracks you want to hear? you make me feel mighty real. <laughs> Sylvester, you make me feel mighty real. Sing it for yeah. it. Yeah, go on. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a tune. That. Like it. And it feels. Nice. Lovely on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like some Super Tramp, personally, yeah. but yeah. I don't think I'm going to get them. I'm a big lover of 80s and 90s. I music. know you are, When I'm actually, driving, yeah. but not what, when I'm no. DJing. So no, only performing. Pizza owner. Yeah. All right. Well, one last question. Anyone? So there's one, yeah. One last question. Tomato soup jumper. Oh, yeah. a, yeah. This one's about cycling. Okay. Oh, cycling question, just to... Spice, spice it up a bit. Spice it up a bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always find it interesting to watch cycling if there are no race radios. Can you no, tell me what no, it is? No, no, <laughs> no. No, Can you tell taxi, me what taxi. It's like to be on the other side of no, no race radio. Makes no difference. Makes no difference. The only the only difference radios make 
are forewarning a team or riders of danger because you cannot no matter how uh, time gaps maybe actually if the motorbike is you know in world championships it's happened before where there isn't enough information coming back to the peloton which is another argument for radios because it's not fair that the peloton doesn't know the time gap because you're depending on it coming from a motorbike of a sign so you should that's actually another argument for radios because you're all in the race together and you should know the time gap at, and, and it, one sec and then um, <laughs> radios I mean what, what like what do you think what difference do you think it can make if you don't have the legs you can't dictate what a rider's doing <laughs> you can't just give him extra legs I think safety is why everyone Mets should have radios because really it's so dangerous cycling is a sport that's so one sec Ned Cyc- <laughs> no look how dangerous cycling is you're on, you're not on open road you're on you know, you know, 150k stage. It's not on a circuit. You'd have no idea what's coming around the next corner. You may know the descent from a year before. You may not. Like, how are you ever going to know if there's oil on the road, gravel, like a crash before? It's. I think in terms of rider safety, the only, the only thing you can do is have radios because, as in terms of the sport that we, that we're, we've raced in, you can't offer anything else. You can't. You can't pad every corner. You can't put nets on descent with massive drop-offs. What's Ned's point? My point is you're oh, talking okay. across purposes. There's two types of radio in the race. One's race radio, the yeah. other's team radio. And they're totally distinct things. Now, you're hearing, yeah. your experience has been team radio. Most of the information I would imagine, yeah. as you've just recounted, is really important safety information mm. that's being relayed via your team because they've heard it on race radio. Yeah, I'm just so, quite so adamant on it, though, because no, no, I've never no. heard anything from my team that's affected the course of the race. Right, the OK, well, I'll give you an example in a second. So, that, so all that information about safety and, and mm. danger around the corner, that, I'm here, we, you hear race radio, when we, come, we listen to race radio, mm. that's all coming from there. Give the riders race radio, right? Don't give them team radio. Here's an example of when team radio interfered adversely with the outcome of a Tour de France, right? <laughs> David's just left. Uh, uh, Chris Froome attacking on La Toussuire in, um, in 2012 was called back on team radio. Let him go! Yeah, but you could also just drive up, though, couldn't you? At that point? Well, it might have been game over but that, but by the mm. time they'd actually got the car up there. True. And also, a much more visible... Like, then you can see, if you, know, you can see on the television camera that mm. Sean Yates has wound the window down and, and he's going, get back. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. So what's the difference? So the <coughs> that's that's when tactics. So that I anyway. think I think riders. I think it's more of a spectacle if riders have to figure out the tactics. The tactics themselves, the safety aspect. I completely agree with you. Mm. Should be relayed via race yeah. radio in their ears. Yeah. I just don't think that riders. I just. Think I think it'd be an interesting experiment to have a Tour de France where they're not. You know, yeah. the tactics. Aren't I don't think anything would change. You might be right, but because I don't. I don't know why we're not entertaining that. Well, that we, um, experiment. we could do, but I feel like the public have this idea that everyone's controlled by the director sportifs in the car. It's completely not the case. I'm sure that's. I'm sure it's true. <laughs> David's got his arm in there. Okay. I have a theory on this, and I agree with Pete's, but I think there's a happy medium you can find because I think races are races in the sense you radio or no radio, you kind of can't change how they would do it on the day. That's always the kind of the the alchemy of the best. You can do all the numbers and do all the data collection, but you put somebody in a peloton at the sharpest point of a race, they're making decisions like that. Yeah, sure. But I think there is a happy medium where mm. you have every single, if we're talking world tour, like at the, or a pro, professional, when it's professional, that within every team there is perhaps, if it's eight riders or six riders, 
there's at least one at least one radio in that team that is carried to transmit race information to the team. Then they're forced to communicate on the road to let people know. Then the sheer numbers of that means if you've got a peloton of 18 teams, that's at least 18 riders that have the information I from race radio. I think every rider could have the, that, that information, the yeah. race radio information. I have yeah. got something that contradicts what I just said. <laughs> um, crosswind days. Yeah? I've just thought of it then. Don't know why I didn't. Um, then almost like nullified by the fact that everyone knows exactly when to be yeah, then race on the right-hand corner. Yeah. But it's got crosswind, 30k an hour crosswinds, 10, 20k before it. So all of a sudden you've got a peloton that just moves together. And that's Where not information that race radio is giving you. Team radio, team radio is giving you that. Team radio, yeah, but, team radio but is giving you that. They can, they can still give you that at the start of the stage. But, but it would be more interesting if yeah. you had to rely on your own intuition to uh, find that out. Uh, Fair uh, enough. I, 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 that's exactly, that's the that's only exa- thing that's exactly my of. point. I, th- I, don't th- I think it's an experiment worth yeah. entertaining. Yeah. And I, I think also, it might be... Uh, I've also got a great point. example yeah. of, of when I, I saw race radio, a sport without race, race radios, then race radios. I'm getting confused now. Team radios. But once It's, it's a really important distinction, but, though. But like it? team radio, you'd... And Pete and I know this, because you, you stand on... St- You'd be at the start line, like a, before the neutral zone, and you'd be asking each other, uh, how long is today's stage? Uh, when's the first climb? And you'd be like, hey, wait, how long's the neutral zone? And you'd yeah. be like pushing the microphone, asking, because nobody actually looked into it because they knew they could just ask on the radio. Mm-hmm. So whereas before it would be, people would be looking at maps from the night before, you'd be looking at the routes, you'd be planning yeah. strategies. The moment you had team radios, even the, the, I'd say 95% of the peloton would be on the start line, kind of totally secure that they could just go, oh, how long is the neutral zone? Uh, when's the first I, climb? I think Where's the crosswind? Absolutely right. I think it's just the point I'm trying to get across is, and which I hear a lot is, it's not like a PlayStation. Like you're not agree. dealing with like 100%. nine riders that you can yeah. literally say, attack now, chase down now. You're, literally, you're dealing yeah. with human beings. Yeah. And the radio doesn't change how... No, no, races are races. Ra- yeah, 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 that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm right. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> the riders' union and oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have a packet. Was ever thus. Was ever thus. Um, Pete's gonna have some crisps. Uh, David's gonna sell some merch. We're gonna sell some yeah. merch. Everyone's gonna to sell buy some gin. Yeah. yeah, and we're all gonna say hello to each other properly mm. without microphones in front of our gobs. Mm. Um, mm. That is the end of the Tall Bay live podcast um should we do a massive like make it make out like you enjoyed it on the count of three three to one yeah.